Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Hot Miss Healing, a podcast. I'm your host, Finn. And I'm co-host EJ. And I know last time we talked uh, in October, which is about five months ago, um, (laughs) we talked about types of grief. Now we'll be talking about stages of grief, which are give me just a second, are denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. And we're going to be talking about our experience with all of these stages of grief. So, first off, how are you doing today? I'm doing okay. Um, One thing that, like, popped off in my head is, like, can anybody tell that we're grieving? Like, <laughs> what, five, five months ago? Yeah, five <laughs> we months. We tried- we tried starting this, and you and I both are like in the thick of it. So into the thick of it, into the thick of it. First of all, that's a fire ass song. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, how are you? I'm okay. I'm I'm better now. After you got your fluid yesterday. You're hydrated. Yes. Hydrated. Hydrated and suffering. You had to fucking, like, hike through Mordor and fucking Lord of the Rings just to get your fluids. Yeah. Which, if you guys don't know, I suspect that I have POTS syndrome, and the doctor at the ER thinks so, too. Um, oh, good. Medical stuff we're not getting into on this episode. That'll be probably some other episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, which means that I'm going to need fluids just to keep up. Um, so, let's get into the nitty-gritty. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Yes. All right. So, denial, which is, gives you, it says here, denying it, the grief, gives you time Mm. to more gradually absorb the news and begin to process it. Mm. It is a common defense mechanism and helps numb you to the intensity of the situation. Oh. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> oh, that gave me some feelings immediately. Yeah, because I know we both we're we're used to numbing it. Yeah, I think like I think of like grief as like a pie, and if you ate the pie on one big bite, like you'd fucking choke. So like I think you need to cut the pie in slices and like gradually take bite-sized pieces mm-hmm. of the grief pie because like I know um we'll have to put content warnings but like I know that like if you have intrusive thoughts or suicidal ideations and a lot of that comes up with grief like you really can't feel all of it all at once and be totally in your body like we wouldn't make it if if, if we did that like I we would burn the fuck out. So yeah, I mean, I I didn't really look at denial in that way before. I guess right. And then moving to the next sentence, which this is from Healthline.com sourcing, okay. um, and it says, as you move out of the denial stage, however, the emotions you've been you've been hiding will begin to rise. Which, as you said, it's like if you eat the pie at once, you're gonna start to choke. Yeah, it's all gonna come out. It's all Nobody gonna come out. That. No. 
It's like, have you ever had a donut that you didn't know was like custard filled? No. Okay. <laughs> For anybody out there was like has problems with like food texture, if you like bite into a, a donut and it like squirts custard or like jelly in your mouth and you're just like not expecting it. I think like with grief, a lot of things come up that like you're really not expecting. And mm-hmm. It, you're not only like processing the current grief, but you're processing past griefs and griefs that you haven't even like felt yet. Right. You know? Right. Mm. And I wanted to also read the example here, which on here it has different examples that you um, can see. Um, it'll be like terminal illness diagnosis. I take that terminal illness diagnosis example and put it towards like my chronically ill, disabled, you know, mm-hmm. mental health journey. But like, this isn't really me. This isn't hap- no. This is not happening. This not. Mm-hmm. It's not happening mm-hmm. to me. This is happening to somebody else, but it's not me. Mm-mm. Like, yeah. And it's like you know the re- the doctors are wrong. They don't know what they're talking about. I'm not sick. Like, yeah. And my experience with the denial is mm-hmm. heavy. Yeah. Because up until recently, I don't know how the I don't know how recent, I can't give numbers. Um but I was always in denial of being sick. Like mm-hmm. I'm not sick. I don't get sick. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm not like that. Is it like did you in your brain did you process it as like this is a weakness and I'm not weak? Yes. Cause that's okay. how I grew up. Uh, and, you know, a lot of us grow up that way where it's like, you know, anybody who has, you know, an an illness or anything, it's like this is a weakness. How do you think I guess I, I know like the black community isn't a monolith and like Everybody doesn't feel the same way, but we talked about this in the last episode. Do you feel like, and I know the answer, but I just want to hear it from you. Do you feel like you've given the space to process grief as a black person? Not really, no. No? No. So it makes sense to like shove it all down. You don't even like society doesn't even give you the time to grieve, especially like if you need to take off time of work or anything like no, and and you know we talked about before is like with all this is emotions come up and you have to process emotions and if you know if in our cultures if we're not giving this space if people constantly see emotion as a weakness um, or like a negative you know it's like yeah we're gonna be in denial of our reality <laughs> right right. And like you said last episode, you were, um, I think you said the same thing about, you know, not having the space to um, be able to grieve, to be able to feel those emotions. And I know within within my community, it's like the Black community, of course, um, Mm -hmm. that emotion, like I said before, it's like the pray it away sort of thing. Or Mm -hmm. don't talk, I've heard, don't, don't talk like that. Don't speak like that. I'm like, it's the truth. And yeah. it's like, I've been hearing that 
you know, when I've been like sort of coming into myself as an adult, dealing with a, lo a lot of complex emotions and situations, I'm like, well, you know, this this isn't good. This isn't happening. Um, to this can't be happening to me. Yeah. And coming to the realization that it is and saying, well, this is happening to me. So this is probably something else. So there's something else is going to happen. And it's like, mm. well, don't talk like that. Don't speak like that. Don't speak on it like that. Pray about it. And that doesn't help the reality of the situation that I'm in. Yeah, I feel like pray about it is in the toxic positivity umbrella yeah because there's like not a like 1-800 call god where we, can, <laughs> where we get like angels on the customer service line and they help us with our issues like pray it away where do i put this right where do i put all this grief or like when we think of mass tragedies like shootings it's always thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers. Like, no, you have to take action. Like right. there's, and, and I think a lot of the times, like, I think the church fucking gaslights you and, and they just say, well, the Lord can handle anything. Oh, and additionally, in addition to that, the Lord gave you this struggle because he knew you can handle it. And it's like, whoa, like, if there's this quote, like, um, if suffering brings wisdom, like, I don't want to be wise. Right. And like, right. that's kind of how I feel like, you know, I would bring real legitimate grief concerns, whatever. And you're right. The answer is just, okay, well, like, let's talk to God about it. But like, I don't know. Everybody has their own way of like higher powers, mm -hmm. but you don't always get the answer right away. Right. Right. You may not get it till like 10 years down the road. This is true. Yeah. Or like, what do we do with the news? How how do I process I'm never going to know a pain-free day in my life? And not just that, but like every day is going to be intense for the rest of my life. And I'm never going to get a break from this pain. I That goes to like shock. And, you know, you want to numb. You don't want to feel it. It's just too much. Right. And shock is a subcategory of denial, just so everybody yeah. is clear and aware of that. Yeah. There, some some lists show it as like, um, you know, like as a full category, but I think it kind of depends on the person's like coping mechanisms. And like, I think if you've had a lot of trauma, you're like, if you have PTSD or CPTSD, you could be in a state of shock, you know, flight or fight mode constantly. Um, so, yeah, I think maybe that could be like a whole category for some people. Right. I don't get shocked too much anymore. <laughs> right. <laughs> the things you've seen. Yeah, the things you've seen. And yeah. like history always repeats itself. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Okay, let's take it back to when we were kids. Did you have like, I guess, like my first introduction to like any type of grief is probably like a loss of a pet, mm -hmm. you know? And I do this kind of goes on to like kind of the next category, 
but like I have like as a little kid pray to God like um I'll do anything that you want if you just do xyz right it's the third stage yeah okay if you um I will pray every day eat my vegetables if you can just make my parents get along I will pray be your most trusted soldier if you make this pain sickness whatever go away but I I do think that we talked about this last episode I do think grief and suffering is just a part of life I think it's a part of the human experience but we do experience so much unnecessary shit we do we do yeah 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 even in a perfect world you're gonna feel sadness you're gonna feel grief it's just we're not one-dimensional creatures you know, we contain multitudes. And I think for me, a lot of this stuff isn't linear. Like you can go, you can experience all these stages at once, you know, throughout the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what about you? Like, do you remember your first experience like with grief as a kid? Well, I would say, yes, I do. I would say it would be a loss of a pet, but I don't remember grieving. Much. Like I don't remember... I remember the memory of losing yeah. that pet, but I don't remember my feelings. Yeah, so, I think I was too young. Yeah, so I would have to say my first experience was, and this may be because of like my neurodivergent brain, mm-hmm. um, when my aunt, one of my favorite aunts had died in 08. Yeah. Is that, that's 2008. Okay, <laughs> um, so that's like your like... A core memory of grief, like where you really like your first and like serious grieving. Cause yes. I know when my, when my, I was eight when my aunt passed away and I, I, I do remember grieving, but I think like the big grief, yeah, it was probably like a family member that, you know, or, or my dad when he passed away seven years ago. Like, um, I think when we're disabled and sick, like, grief is kind of different yeah but i think a lot of people look at grieving as in terms of loss so you lost your aunt how did you process that i didn't you didn't did no. you just shove it down yeah i did what we're taught to do shove it down mm. but you know everybody grieves over a loss yeah you know but it's like at that point it's like we're already taught to shove our emotions down so it's like in my brain it's like well why is this any different yeah you know, and I was in my job, I was in middle school at that time. So it's like, I kind of had a, I wouldn't say a pretty good understanding of my emotions. Cause I'm still a, pre, I'm still like a teenager, preteen, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Um, But you know, I still, I shoved it down. I wasn't in denial or anything, but it just, you know, I just didn't understand why it had to happen that way, which goes into our stage two anger. Yeah. Where it may be, con- where denial may be considered a coping mechanism, anger is a masking effect, mm. is what it says here. And it is hiding many emotions and pain, hiding many emotion, many of the emotions, sorry y'all, and mm-hmm. pain that you carry. And it may be directed at other people, the, like, the, like it could be the person who died, I'm reading yeah. examples here, your ex, or an old boss, or the doctors, like it could be anybody mm-hmm. that you're redirecting that anger at. Like an example okay. here is like, where is God in this? How did how dare God let this happen? Or, you know, 
yeah. any higher power or if you don't believe in anything, then it's like, well, how could how could this happen? You know, yeah. taking religion out of it is like, how could how could this happen to me? Where where are my people? Yeah. You know. Yeah. I think like I know that when my dad died, I was angry at him. Mm. Because he died of alcoholism and I was really pissed. But at the same time, his death relieved a lot of shit. And I really hate to say that, but he was suffering and he was bringing my brother and I into it. And it was it was a lot. And, you know, I feel so many different emotions with that because there was still abuse that went on, even though I loved him. And I think like, but still, I can't, I internalize the anger. Mm-hmm. I would say like now I'm so fucking angry at the system and doctors and I'm and just like always on the defense. Right. And I I think when I was a teen, I was just angry at everything and angry at my just everything. But now now I know the anger really well and I can channel it really well. I did not channel it well as a kid or as a young adult, but like it was a lot of rage and destruction. But I think now I, I channel it creatively. Mm-hmm. And anger is not something to be afraid of. Like it right. really is. And it's not a negative emotion. No. It's just an emotion. No. I think whenever you take your anger out on people and mm-hmm. you use your anger for harm, that's when it's like dangerous right? And, and negative. But if you look at like any, uh, you know, period in history, uh, you know, if we look at like the civil rights movement or, you know, disability justice movement, a lot of this fueled by anger. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, we do. We do need it to a degree. Um, but I think it's really uncomfortable mm-hmm. to process, especially if you're angry at yourself or you blame yourself. for anything. Mm-hmm. That right there, I have a lot of experience with. You do? So how so? I, so being angry excuse me, being angry at myself for, let's say, signing up for the military, which is how, Mm. like, it's, like, it's sped through. I was in the fast lane to disability, and I didn't even know. Mm. I'm like, I'm angry at myself. Like, why didn't I try better in school to, you know, go to college or, like, why didn't my mom why did my mom have to make so much where I couldn't get financial aid in high school to go to college? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like why did I yeah. work myself to the bone after I got out of the military just to live? You know, when it's yeah. like, it wasn't it's not my fault that the system is cracked. <laughs> no. And you it's know. not your fault that everything is stacked against you right and like it's not my fault these are the cards that i was dealt and i'm doing the best with it that i am and it's like i've always been i've always been an angry child like no one ever saw it though because i hit it very well yeah i hit it so well i i wasn't in denial about that anger that was like what fueled me to like i had anger problems 
because of the grief that I was going through, like I had spoken the last episode, I lost had the loss of my innocence when I was uh, 14. Yeah. Um, and then it's like that I was grieving that I was grieving not having the same life that I had before my mom married that douchebag. Yeah. You know, I was grieving that I was grieving my lost chi- loss of childhood. And so I was I skipped in that state in those stages of my life. I skipped denial and went straight to anger. Yeah. Cuz it's not yeah. like abuse is a slow it's a slow burn, but you know that it's happening. Right. You, there's like I mean you can deny your reality. That's probably your mom. Your mom was denying the reality, but you fucking knew what was happening and how I just want you to know however you exercised your anger as a 14-year-old kid that went through that situation, it was valid. Right. You did some vandalism. You beat somebody up. Valid. <laughs> <laughs> Which I never did vandalism or beat anybody up, just so we're clear. <laughs> but it would have been valid still. Yeah. <clears throat> Sorry. <clears throat> I'm outside. Um, If you hear the rain in the background. Yeah, it's fine. I hear it, but it, it's it's cool. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I just didn't want to, like, it to interfere with the speakers. But, yeah. So, like, how do you... How do you process anger now? Do you feel like you do it? Um, what's the word? Like, do you do you channel it? Maybe like, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but I think you know what I'm saying. How like what medium do I channel it through? Yeah, yeah. yeah like, how do you process it? I guess like you said that you were like super angry you against the world, but do you do you still kind of feel that way, or do you feel like you have more support? I have more support now than I did before. Like before I had no support. Now I have some, which is great. Um, but now I channel that anger through different mediums. Like I write about it or I listen to yeah. angry music. What I consider yeah. to be angry music, like, you know, heavy metal. Yeah. And I sit in my car and I'll scream, which helps. Screaming, Fuck yeah. just Fuck so yeah. you guys out there know, screaming helps. Yeah, if you need to scream into a pillow, scream in your car, drive to like a mountain and just let it all out deep, feral from your soul and your ancestors scream. Scream. Just let it out. Let it out because it it helps. It helps channel that anger because it's like that's what you want to do in that moment is you want to scream. You feel like your insides yeah. are about to pile out of your body if you don't yeah. release it now. Yeah, I'm going to explode. And I don't want to explode on, on anybody or also, like, don't want to have a meltdown. Um, right. You know, like, when I was, last time I was in the ER and I had a run-in with security. And you and I talked about it. That's a, where my white privilege is. A lot of the times when I have meltdown or meltdowns or like my anger, I lash out on people like that's where my privilege protects me. But it does not protect you. You don't really get to be angry Mm-mm. because people already see black people as angry and something to fear. Right. And aggressive. Aggressive. So you really can't. You don't really you don't really get to be angry. Because then it'll be that's used good. against me. That really sucks. I'm sorry. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. And 
I also was I didn't get to be angry in my relationships either, you know, my past ones, especially one mm-hmm. that I, was an abusive relationship. Um, it's like I didn't get to be angry because, like I said, it was it was going to be used against me. So yeah. I didn't really have that space up until my last relationship, and then now, my relationship now, where I how did your partner? Yeah, how do they let you be angry now? They just hold that space open for me to talk about it. And it's like, I'm not as angry because I get to, I'm like, I don't explode because I'm able to talk it out with her. Be like, first, I'm like, hey, do you have the capacity for this? Because I'm about to like, I'm about to let it loose. Yeah. I'm about to let it go. Yeah. You know, and so I'm able to have that space. And I was wondering, do you have that space with Brian? You know, your partner. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So Brian is so in tune with me that he knows when I'm angry before I even do. And like, if I like go, what's wrong, Elena? Or he'll be like, go lay down. Like you, you need to go fucking lay down. Go put yourself in time now. (laughs) Um, He gives me a lot of space to talk about it. We definitely talk a lot Uh and we dive into things and I'm, First of all, like, he's my first serious relationship. We just celebrated our five-year anniversary. Which, again, congratulations. Thank you. Never thought that would ever fucking happen. <laughs> but he, yeah, he, but he processes his anger very differently. He is a musician, and he plays uh, death metal, doom metal, and now he's he's focusing a lot on his his uh, new project is Zumpatli, and he dives into a lot of Aztec history and he's been reading a lot about you know the Spanish Inquisition, and he gets angry, and you know as a white person, I have to hold space for him, but also like decolonize my mind as well, so I can continue to hold that space for him. And be, you know, when I saw him cry, like after reading a poem, I like that shook me to my core. So for him, he doesn't really talk about things. He's very stoic, doesn't like to dwell. I, he does shove a lot of it down um, in his culture, you know, very machismo doesn't, you know, he wasn't ever allowed to show any emotion ever. Mm. And so I really have to pick it out of him. And I think for me, I have to talk about things right away. He doesn't. And so we've really had to work. Oh, I've had to work on realizing that not everybody processes emotions at the same speed that I do. Mm-hmm. Which I've been learning that too, because I process things a lot slower. Okay. It takes me more time. I'm like, okay, I just need time to process. I need to sit with the emotions. Yeah. Not really, not really like wallow. But what people consider wallowing, I'm like, I just need to sit with them for a minute, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And if we have any disagreement, that's definitely him. I want to talk about it right away. I don't want anybody to be mad at me. Like, I just want to really fix the situation. And that's where, like, my ego comes in, Mm -hmm. where I just really need to give him space. Just the same space that he gives me, I have to give, you know, to him and realize, like, I think that's a big learning lesson is you one, you never really know what someone's going through. And and two, um, everybody processes grief differently. And all of these stages look different 
to other people. Right, right. Yeah. So let's move on to stage three, bargaining, which during grief, it says you may feel vulnerable and helpless. And when those emotions arise, you know, you want to be able to gain some control over the situation. And it says here, you know, it's not uncommon for religious people, like you said before, you know, to kind of make promises to God or a higher power is like in return for or in return of something like healing, relief from the pain, the suffering, all that. It's just like, you know, like we said, like I said in our college before in the, for the example, it says here, like if only I had gone to the doctor sooner, we could have stopped this. And I want to go with your experience first, (laughs) and then I'm going to, and then we'll talk about my experience with bargaining. I think for me, since I was diagnosed as a kid, but I was, wasn't diagnosed totally. So for those that aren't, you know, aware of my story, I um, was diagnosed with spina bifida and a tethered spinal cord at 27. So from 12 to 27, I spent fighting, advocating, um, really having to challenge the system to have my pain belief because I always thought something else was going on. And I think now I'm still really grieving. Like, what would my life look like had they have just diagnosed me as a kid and I didn't grow up with a tethered spinal cord? And now I have all these different comorbidities and severe intractable pain. And now I'm fighting for treatment. Now I have a diagnosis and I still can't get help. So I've really been going through it. And I I go through that a lot. It's, it's a very weird um, wormhole and dangerous wormhole to go down. You know, if, if only I got help sooner. Uh-huh. And I think like in your instance, it's like, well, if only I went to the doctor sooner, um, you kind of blame yourself for being in this situation Or maybe, you know, you look back on your life and you think, well, if I had done this differently, you know, would I be in in this situation? Or like if your parents didn't believe you, you know, Uh I think that goes back to anger. You can be angry. I get angry at doctors um, and it's not even really the doctor's fault that I'm angry at, but I'm just angry at the whole, at the whole system for, and and this goes for so many people could have got like, it it can take on average, you know, anywhere from like three to seven years to get a diagnosis. Mm -hmm. And that's, that could be for any, for anything. Right. And I think the more that this pandemic rages on, that's only my prediction is the you know we know that the healthcare system has already collapsed right we know that we're 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 in the we're in the fall of it right now um it was already you know on its last leg or i can we can even argue it collapsed before the pandemic but um now you know i'm trying to get into these different you know a, a gi doctor and uh you know east west medicine my doctors are trying all these different things to them till October or you know if I need a psych appointment UCLA is not taking any more patients so yeah I get get really angry and then bargain like bargain with my disability bargain with my pain you know if only XYZ would have happened I wouldn't be in in this position and I kind of like ebb and flow I guess 
I I I don't ha I don't process grief linearly linearly. So I um yeah this this comes up this comes up especially like when I'm talking about my story I just get really sad. But what about you? Like how do you handle that? Well, uh, first off, I don't. <laughs> uh, let's start off with that. But I, I do have those emotions, those motions where I'm like, man, if only I had, you know, went to the doctor sooner. If only they believed me. Like, yeah. if only I would have tried harder in school. Like, and I know I said this with the anger. It's like, well, why didn't I do this? But it's different in the bargaining. It's like, well, maybe if I would have just, if I would have, you know, studied harder and nothing's like, no, which come to find out, you know, hello, neurodivergent. No wonder I wasn't doing so well because my brain was like fucked. Not to yeah. say that people who are neurodivergent can't do well in school. This is just my personal experience. I do not speak for all neurodivergent, chronically ill, mentally ill, or disabled people. I'm speaking yeah. from my own experience. So to say that, like I'm like, well, maybe I could have just I could have maybe I could have done this better or maybe I just, you know, maybe I could have tried harder to get into a different school. Maybe I could have worked before you know, to pay for, to help pay for college, or maybe I could have, you know, it's always these maybes, if only, what ifs. But we don't, right. we can't live in that. And I know no. it's easier said than done to be like, oh, well, we can't live in that. It's like, well, that's the past. Yeah, well, that that past affected my, is affecting my present now. Yeah. You know, and it's gonna affect my future depending on how I process it. Oh my gosh. Sorry, hold on one second. Soprano's crying. Um Um, yes. Um like we said, like we kind of learn oh, he was I locked him outside, y'all. Um, um we kind of learn like we kind of look back on our lives and we kind of have more perspective mm -hmm. and all that blame and all that pressure that we put on ourselves like it none of it was our fault like it's actually the system like i i think when you talk about like education and stuff like i got my ged because i um was so sick that my guidance my guidance counselor told my mom that school is not working for me and so I did an adult education but you could only miss so many days of school and I had my first uh, endometriosis excision and I missed the first three days like within the first month and so they kicked me out and I like look back and I'm 32 I have like several unfinished degrees. I think like in terms of like poverty and stuff, there's definitely a lot of grief and you you can feel like you're not successful and you can look back on your life and you're like, well, if only I did this, if only if only this was different. But I think if you if you get stuck on that too long, like you kind of lose touch with reality in, in some way. We we do have to move forward. But mm -hmm. That looks differently for 
for each person and um it like this whole podcast is hot mess healing like it's a healing is a mess we we are often going back and filling in filling in the blanks mm-hmm. but yeah we we have to somehow move forward in some capacity and not we just put so much pressure on ourselves especially disabled people neurodivergent people to be perfect or to get it all right but all humans are fucking messy right being human is messy (laughs) it's messy it's gross i don't want it yeah i don't want to be human i want to be a pink one or something right let me just be a (laughs) let me actually be a sloth Okay. Yes. Just hang from the branches. Like I'll be fine. Yeah. You know. I think that's the thing. Just give me a break. Like mm -hmm. I wish that we could just pause life. Right. Yeah. Have you ever seen Say by the Bell? Yes. Yes. I'd like if we can just have that remote. Yeah. You know, just to kind of boop. That'd be great. That would be great. So on to the next stage. Stage okay. four, which is depression, everybody. <laughs> we don't have that at all. Depression? Never heard of her. Who is um, she? <laughs> like, ew. She can't sit with us. If you guys know that <laughs> reference, you know, if you don't, you're too young. Yes. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> um, so it says, whereas anger and bargaining can feel very active, depression may feel like a quiet stage of grief Mm. very quiet and i don't know if anybody has seen how's moving castle in here where he's like he's sad about something i'm not going to tell you what he's sad about but he started to form this goo around himself Mm -hmm. and that's what i feel like depression is it's like you're stuck in the goo Mm. you're stuck yeah, I view it as like quicksand, I guess. Mm-hmm. The same feeling, but like, I feel like I'm slowly sinking. Right. And like right now, um, you know, I'm, I'm without adequate pain management and I'm really fighting for that. And I'm like, in the most severe pain of my life and it's big depression and I feel like it may swallow me. Right. Or like you, like, I'm just going to slowly. You you said that again? Yeah, cut out. It's like you where you're like suspended in goo mm-hmm. and the goo is just like slowly taking over you. Right. And it's like, and it's like encompassing everything that was that's around me. Yeah. It affects it's everything. Consuming. Yes. Yeah. And so I just want to give the example here so that people kind of get a better understanding. The mm-hmm. example for, as we phrased it, um, disability or like chronic illness or whatever is my life comes to this terrible end. Mm. And I know, I know, I don't know about you, but I know I feel that. And I know a lot of us in the community, the disabled, chronically ill community feel that. Like my life is just, it's going to come to this terrible end. Yeah. That's the depression part of the grief. And it sucks ass. Yeah. Or like, how's my life already ended? Is this it? Right. 
Is this all? Mm-hmm. And it says it can be overwhelming. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> um, and it says you may feel foggy, heavy, and confused. And I like that it said heavy because mm-hmm. that's exactly what it feels like. It's like, you know, that feeling of being sluggish? Yeah. Like you just can't, like you said, quicksand. But it's yeah. like you just, you can't move through. Like that episode, in, I know I make a lot of references in this episode, but that's just me. I yeah. mean, we both do. The episode of SpongeBob yeah. where he can't tie his shoes. Oh my And he's trying God. to move the Krabby Patty to uh, Squidward. He's like, I'm bringing the <laughs> patty to you. And he's just stuck in place. <laughs> can't move. <laughs> that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's kind of what, that's what I see it as. Is you, you really are stuck. Yeah. And every time you try to take a step, boink. Just like he did, even though I said boink, you know, this is a serious topic, but yeah, um, that's I mean, that's just what you do, you fall, yeah. I for me, some it feels like there, I'm, I have a backpack on and there's a lot of weight in it, mm-hmm. and it's just weighing me down. And like you said, every time you take a step, you just feel it, or like there's just this tether that's just constantly holding you back mm-hmm. and it it can become really heavy I, I think I've been really you know leaning into it crying a lot lately last night I had a meltdown um I have nieces um they're Brian's nieces but they're mine now and there's a lot there's two new babies and then my favorite one Trinity and then the older nieces were coming over and Brian was like if you're gonna come like we have to be strict about you laying down because you always want to get up and mingle and then you end up overdoing it. So I was on the couch with my heating pad, but it started to get really heavy and I started to feel like embarrassed. Like everybody is celebrating a joyous occasion. And here I am in the corner fucking crying, being a Debbie downer. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go home. And I got in the car and I was crying because everybody is enjoying the, the time. And I I tried to, you know, make accommodations for myself so I could be present. But what depresses me is I really can't be present. Right. And it's like, well, everybody else, like, like everybody else is enjoying it. Why can't I? Yeah. And you can get resentful. Right. Of your like, own self. Yeah. Which is. I, I fucking hate. And this makes me an asshole. Not hate. Hate's a strong word. Overly happy people fucking annoy me. People that have Dang. never experienced hardship. Not that you have to experience hardship in life, but I get resentful at people who have it easy, and I am sure as shit that you feel the same way. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Because I kind of see like um, okay, you and I go to the same doctor, right? Let's just say. And both you and I are uh, being seen. And you kind of have, it's like medical racism. Okay, that's pulling you back. That phobia, if you, if you identify pulling you back. Um, being non-binary it, or trans, pulling you back. You constantly, and then there's people who aren't getting pulled back. Mm. Who 
don't have to work harder, who don't have to be perfect, who don't like we we are the white people are considered the standard, right? And mm-hmm. you will never be able to meet that in society, but you're hold like they make you try anyway, right? Mm-hmm. And that could be I mean, I'm sure that's depressing, right? It it very much is. I I do get like I I'm on both sides of it because it's like however like I said like we spoke about this before where you and I have like the barest minimum health care yeah. yeah but it's like we still have health care yeah you know but it's like I'm I'm jealous of people who can just go to the doctor who can ring up their doctor and say hey like when can I see you oh you can see me next week huh what the VA the VA has never heard of efficiency in their life (laughs) no it's hurry up and wait and that's what I hate through that rhyme bars but yeah and then I want to kind of circle back because (sighs) I just wanted you to give yourself some grace as far as like joining the military because this is how I see it and I'm sorry if this offends anybody but the military is a gang, right? Mm-hmm. And if you don't have any resources to move ahead, and this gang is offering you protection, income, you're going to mm-hmm. get fed, your family's going to get fed, and we'll always have your backs, right? You're, you're always going to have a job, but it comes at a sacrifice. And... For the military, it's like, here's, you get education, you get health care, but they don't tell you how subpar it is. And you have to literally sacrifice your life, mm-hmm. your future, to fight for a war you may not even believe in. And then you do not get told, you do not get informed consent when you join the military. Mm-hmm. Like You sign that away on that dotted line. Yeah, and you don't know that you're going to get exposed to dangerous chemicals. You're going to get your fucking limbs blown off. Mm-hmm. You know, no matter what you, ex- even if even if you're doing like a data job, and, and that's hard. It's like, because there's, you don't always have to go into combat, but Brian and I talk about it a lot, like border patrol agents. I get so mad when I see, you know, Mexican border patrol agents on the other side fighting their own people or black cops or whatever or like women republicans you know like, mm-hmm. I just, <laughs> yeah i i just we just don't really get like for me i didn't ask to be here if you're religious you may think that you like your soul was asked to be here but i didn't ask to be here first of all and then then you make all of our lives hard but some people have it easy depending on what family they're born into whatever I get very resentful to life, which can make me very cynical. Then I can be very nihilistic. And then that's when it's dangerous. And the heavy, the the quicksand is now almost engulfed my head. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, what's the point? I'm never going to feel a day without pain. I'm never going to feel a day without sickness. In order for real change to happen, 
This whole system has to be abolished and something new created, which we won't see in our lifetime. Right. I can't have kids because I don't, like, want... I mean, it's hard for me anyway, but, like, I don't want my kids to have to deal with a world where they won't have water, they won't have food. They're going to have to suffer and want for everything. What's, what? What is the point? And it's, it can be so hard to feel joy right now, especially if you're someone who hasn't been able to leave their home in three years. Right. How the fuck, Mary from Upgrade Accessibility talks about it, like, how the fuck can you feel joy right now and fuck anybody else that does? And unfortunately, that's kind of like sometimes where we can be resentful towards others and even people in our community, like, Disabled people who have wealth and privilege and or like celebrities in Hollywood, they Kim Kardashian can probably get opiates whenever she wants. But I I can't for my real condition. Mm -hmm. I don't know where I'm going on this tangent, but we don't really get told about all these things. And then we have to experience them and they're fucking heavy and we don't even get the tools to deal with it. And some of us have it harder. So, yeah, it's heavy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, depression is heavy. <laughs> Very and, heavy. And what I said, like, unless we treat it at the whole, it's not going to get better. Like, my depression's not going to get better if my pain's not treated. Right. And it's not the other way around where, like, you're feeling like this because you're depressed. No. No. I'm depressed because I'm feeling this pain. Yeah. And there's no help for it. Yeah. Like some people have felt pain because of trauma. There is like a mind body connection, but you and I have sources for our pain. Right. We know where it comes from. Something happened to us. All right. So, so, yeah. In this part, where the next stage is acceptance, there's like, they're like miles apart. No, oh, yeah. <laughs> Very. Or maybe they're the same coin, you know? I mm. feel like it's both. Right. Because I feel... Go ahead, I'm sorry. No, it's just like... Yeah, when I was talking about, like, my day yesterday, mm. I was I was laughing and playing with my nieces. Right. But I was also crying. That all happened in the same hour. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, I do think it's all the same coin. Mm -hmm. But I also think it can feel miles apart. Right. I like that same coin because it, like I said before, like when you had posted on Instagram about gratitude, and I'm like, they can coexist gratitude yeah. and feeling shitty to yeah. put it plainly, they can coexist. Like, I'm grateful that I get the like, I've experienced some of the things I have experienced, but I'm also mm -hmm. like feeling shitty because of other things I've had to experience. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, like disability teaches you a lot. It does. It re it really really does. Like it does. And that's if you work on sort of what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know it. But when you sort of kind of break down that internalized ableism, yes. because there are disabled people who are ableist, and there's lateral ableism in our community. Mm -hmm. I mean, dude. The Reddit forms, the ones that like the the spoony or the illness fakers, 
the people that run that shit, they're sick people. Mm. So I think that if we don't process our depression in a therapeutic, like healthy, healthy way, if we, because what's the point? Well, acceptance is the point. I want to be able to live a fulfilled life alongside my pain. Mm. I'm not going to overcome it. I'm not going to battle my body. I want to just know that every day is like neutral. It's okay. And there's going to be, there's going to be multitudes within your day and not every day looks the same. But I think as long as you have love for yourself and love in your heart for other people and you can find a way to move forward and you can find that acceptance. And it's something that like, I think we're just going to be, it's like ping ponging. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. And there's a lot that I, this, okay, this gets brought up, brought up a lot. People say it's not my disability. It's the accessibility. But like what I keep driving home is like the whole world can be perfect and accessible. Everything is euphoric, but I'm still going to feel pain and I'm going to miss out on all this euphoria. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, so I don't think I'm ever going to get to a point where I'm not depressed, where I'm not sad. Right. But I do think, I do think I still have more to give and I still have a lot of things to accept. And I recognize that life is absurd and a lot of things don't make sense, but I commit my life to trying. Right. Mm, Right. And I think as long as we love each other and we give each other space and maybe the thing is we've all been taught to process these things individually. Mm-hmm. I feel so much better talking to you right, <laughs> about this. Same. And this whole pro- podcast is you healing and you're saying that it's hard, it's messy and it doesn't happen all at once. And I may in this present, I'm healing from things that happened a long time ago. And then maybe 10 years down the road, I'm going to be healing from today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So I, I, I guess that does bring us to, to the next one is, is uh-huh. acceptance. How do we find that with everything that we've laid out on the table? Right. How do we reach it? Like, how do you find acceptance? Do you have a process um, actually, I do. Now, here it says excess acceptance is not necessarily a happy or uplifting stage, Ooh. which I completely agree with. Because acceptance doesn't mean, well, I'm disabled, you know, ha, 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 bring out the streamers, everybody. I, I've accepted it. Yeah, no, that's not what happens at all. That is not reality. Ooh. I've accepted, like, I have accepted that I am disabled. Mm-hmm. I've accepted the situations that have happened in my life that have brought me here. Mm-hmm. Like I'm still trying to, I've, I accept it, but I'm also still trying to process that acceptance. Mm. You know, cause like they're called stages for a reason. 
you know. Yeah. And I would say that I that and this is for everybody out there, you do not have to go like you're not gonna be there's no cure for grief. Yeah. You're not gonna go through the five stages and be like, Well, huh, that was it. That was grief for you. Next episode, no. Right. It it's not like AA where mm-hmm. you have twelve steps. You complete the first step and it's or like levels in a video game, right? Mm-hmm. Like we're playing it's everything everywhere all at once. We're playing all the levels at once. Right. And I'm gonna bounce like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say like bounce back, but it's like I bounce go in between all the five stages. Yeah. Like we, there's days when I'm like sometimes a little bit in denial. I'm better at it now. Like I'm better at not being in denial, but I'm also like, oh man, you know, I, this isn't real. Like I have those moments. Yeah. You know, and I go through the anger, the bargaining, the depression. Depression is very prevalent. Right. There. That ain't yeah. going away. No. It's a thing on your shoulder. Like, Mm -hmm. I think when I'm hearing you talk, something that's coming up for me Mm -hmm. is, okay, when we accept that we're disabled, we're accepting our limitations, right? Right. And, okay, let's say I'm doing the dishes and I am... I don't, I don't make it easy for, for myself. I just go in and I do the dishes like a non-disabled person would. Mm. I am in denial that I need to make this accessible. No, mm. I can overcome it. I can achieve. Then I'm fucking angry and I don't want to do the dishes and I'm mad they even exist and I'm mad that I just like, you know, have to do them. Mm-hmm. And I'm angry also that I have to pace doing the dishes. Why do I have to fucking wash one dish, go lay down on my heating pad and then come back an hour later and wash another dish. Right. And then I'm like bargaining with myself. Like if I just do it this way or if I just do it that way, or if I just do it right now, then I'll, then I can, Oh my God, you just brought up so much for me. Go ahead, Alex, go ahead. ahead. Yes, yes, because it's like, well, I can't rest until I do this or, yeah. And then I'm I'm sad that I can't just do the thing. Mm -hmm. And I also get pissed that I always got to be a fucking advocate. Why can't I just do the thing? Right. And then, then acceptance for me is accepting, well, I do have limitations and that's okay. There is no shame. And I can rest and know that there's no sense of urgency on those dishes. Mm, you better speak, and, girl. And there's no shame. It doesn't make me a dirty person. When we're depressed, oh, show me one person that's in depression whose house is sparkly. Right. You can find what you need. All your laundry's done, not only done, but it's put away. My house is in disarray right now, and I have a caretaker. Mm-hmm. So I think acceptance when you're when you're disabled is like there's no sense of urgency. I have to pace. I have to make accommodations for myself. Like like when you told me about your widgets, oh my god, it mm-hmm. like blew my brain. 
<laughs> Why was that like sound bit from your partner perfect? <laughs> <laughs> that was me. Oh, that was you? Yeah. Oh. Um, but yeah, so what's coming up for you? So what's coming up for me is is the dishes. Like, <laughs> even though we have a dishwasher, it's like I still have to, you know, you still got to unload. You got to load the dishwasher. You got to rinse some, rinse some of the dishes off. And yeah, you like, can't just put them in there. Right, because it's like, do you want clean dishes or do you want to rewash them? No, right. I don't want to rewash them damn dishes. <laughs> I hate doing the damn dishes. And I'm pretty sure there are so many people who are like, I hate those fucking dishes. Yeah, people hate doing chores. Right. And it's like, it's even harder for us because it's like, like I am in it. I like, I can't really use my wheelchair in the house because it's yeah. a small space. And so I have my walker with the seat on it, the rollator. And yeah. so it's, it sits in the corner. I use it sometimes. And my partner, she's like, well, why don't you use your walker? I'm like, no, I'm fine. I yeah. am fine. If I just do these dishes, like, real quick, I can, yeah. I, I'm fine. And right. in the anger, I'm like, ugh, man, I just I just want to do the fucking dishes. I want them to be done. I want the house yeah. to be clean. Like, I don't like yeah. a dirty house. No. No one likes a, no one likes a dirt, no matter how much the space is dirty, no one likes a dirty space if they are they are stuck in that depression stage yeah they don't have the support to reach to like to be able to reach themselves out of it and so they're right. stuck in that stage and so it right. builds and builds and builds right and so i'm angry with myself like i want my house to be clean i don't want a dirty house i want these dishes to be done why can't i do them then i bargain with myself i'm like if you just do the dishes real quick, maybe if you do like half or whatever, you you know, go go take a break and yeah. then, you know, come back to it. And depression, like you said, it's like, well, why can't I do the thing? I just right. want to do the thing. And yeah. And have it just be that. Yeah. And don't And there's no repercussions. Yeah. Yeah. And then, People, yeah. Oh, go on. Sorry. And then the acceptance is like, well, like you like exactly what you said. I'm just going to steal your words. Like I have yeah. these limitations, yeah. you know, it's like, I am disabled after all. Like I literally have mobility issues that, right. that disrupts my way of life, my quality of life. Yes. I have those limitations. It's like, I need to take a break or ask for help. Yes. You know? And us as disabled and chronically, we bounce back and forth all five stages, some more than others, you know, yeah. there's, there's some stages more than others, like the depression stage. I know a lot of us are in that stage right now because yeah. of, like we're stuck in the pandemic, mm -hmm. you know, and it just, it sucks. Yeah. There's so much out of our control that right. even if we wanted to make it better, it's hard. And I think another thing that like, when we talk about dishes, I don't I'm sure this comes up for you, but right. hobbies. Mm. When someone asks me what my hobbies are, I have a fucking existential crisis because <laughs> I really don't have hobbies right now. I don't know how to have hobbies as a disabled person. Everything that I used to enjoy, I can't do now. And I get depressed. And but I I do realize I accept that I kind of have to do it 
and figure out what hobbies I can do in this body and also reach out to people in our community. How do they adapt? How, you know, how do they find joy? Um, I, I think, yeah, hobbies I have, I, there's just so many little things we grieve about being disabled or sick. And Mm -hmm. I know for right now, there's so many people with long COVID who are experiencing all these things for the first time. Mm-hmm. You and I kind of have some experience under our belt now, but I really oh, yeah. feel so bad for all the people that are being ushered into a world that just doesn't make sense and they're not really prepared for how much they're going to continually grieve. Mm-hmm. How are your hobbies? Do you get like <laughs> grief? Oh, yeah. Hobbies? What hobbies? I'm like, I watch TV. That's a hobby. (coughs) Sometimes I barely do that. I'm just like, sometimes I just doom scroll on my phone. I want to tell everybody something you and I did Mm -hmm. that I always think about and I really want to do it again with you. But when we watched that, we did a long distance movie date and we watched that really bad Christmas movie. Oh my God, yes. Dude. do that again. That is something. (laughs) Go ahead. (laughs) I just recommend anybody watch like the worst movie with your friend and just read it the entire time with mm. your friend. <laughs> yes, that brought me a lot of joy. I, yeah. I really enjoyed it. Like, I feel like we were there. We were there together. Yeah. At this awful <laughs> Christmas, Christmas movie. movie of this. Wasn't it like a like an interracial relationship? Yeah, it was. <laughs> it, it was. It was. <laughs> it was a movie that's for sure it was was a a lifetime it was no it was a hallmark movie sorry it was something yeah something like that we watched it on like what netflix or no hulu hulu it was a hulu Hulu movie hulu's got the trash yeah if you want to watch smut (laughs) (laughs) go Go to hulu it it was fun i recommend that for anyone not just the disability community, but just like anyone who's in, especially that depressed stage and you need something to sort of uplift you a little bit, I recommend. Yeah, to take that. Reach out. Yeah, I I also think like distractions have been huge for me right now. Mm -hmm. Like I kind of, I can't do anything about the pain and the depression right now, but what I can do is kind of like just take my mind off of it and if that's watching a horrible movie i i think like i can talk about it all day long i really don't need help with talking about it i just kind of need to take the edge off right i need to have a little bowl of ice cream and just watch a bad movie or maybe something i've already seen a hundred times you know right comfort comfort and if you like, I know the first year of the pandemic, I was watching like nature stuff on YouTube where it just has like a camera set up and you're just watching like a bear walk through the woods or something <laughs> like that. That really helped me because like I, I couldn't go outside. Mm. I think I do resent resent those things to a degree sometimes. Right. Um, Like all the silly little things we have to do to keep our silly little selves in line. Mm-hmm. Like I just want to exist. Right. And I'm once again just mad. It's it's hard, but 
we've talked a lot about like the heaviness of life, but there is there is good. Mm-hmm. There you and go. I, I think that's like the key is when you're grieving, like you do need that other side of the coin too. Like you, it, I think both of what you and I can relate to is we didn't always have people in our lives who had our best interest at heart. But now we have control over that, right? Mm-hmm. We can control who we let into our lives. And I think we can look back on this episode, maybe even a year down the road, and we'll see how far we've come. And we may not know that right now, but like we're still progressing. You know what I mean? Right. It may not feel like it, but even just people tell me like they've noticed a difference in me Mm -hmm. from like from last year. Um, There's just like a maturity you get every time you go through these stages and you're learning a little bit more. And I really think it's just like how far, how far are you willing to go for acceptance, I guess. Right. So, tiny takeaways. <laughs> takeaways, takeaway, takeaway. So, we know that grief is very personal. Mm-hmm. It is very personal. Everybody is going to experience grief differently. Mm-hmm. And that, like I said, you know, there are a lot of us, whether it be in the disability community or not, bounce, you know, in between, we flip those coins. Mm-hmm. Or those coins flip for, you know, for us or whatever. Mm-hmm. Whatever fucking metaphor, I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, there's like a constant. back and forth. Yeah, yeah. With grief. And mm-hmm. it may take, maybe it may take you a few weeks. Or it could be, it, or especially for those of us in the community and so it can be a lifelong thing Mm -hmm. there is no timeline nothing is linear yeah about grief yeah and it looks differently depending on like uh me grieving not being able to hike anymore is going to look differently than me grieving the loss of a partner or a family member or a friend right and it's like also you know, is going to look different, like mine is going to look different too. You know, everybody's going to look different. Like mine, the loss of my childhood, you know, the loss of how my life used to be before I got chronically ill, you know, it's it's, going to look different over the time that I lost my aunt, which I still grieve now. You know, I still have dreams. I still see her in my dreams. That's all going to look different. So, you know, this podcast is, I wouldn't say for like entertainment sake, because this is not like a, I mean, we, we, we make it what it is, but. Yeah. I know, mean, we're funny people in general. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We're funny people and we can kiki about a lot of shit, right. but this is a serious topic. <laughs> yeah. Just take it with a grain of salt. Because everybody is going to say differently in what they believe, but I do believe that grief, It, I mean, I, I do believe, and it is, it's, it's fact, that grief mm-hmm. is a natural human emotion. And I and don't let anybody in this world tell you that you should be over what it is that you are not over yet. Yes. You have every right to grieve. Whatever stage of life you're in, you have every right to grieve. Yes. Please remember and don't, that. 
Yeah. And also my takeaway, don't let anybody tell you that it can be worse. Right. What you are currently grieving is valid. It's all valid. All of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so with that, I'm Finn. I'm EJ. This was a fantastic episode, Finn. Yes, thank you. And this was Hotness Healing, a podcast on the stages of grief. All love. Love you. Love you too.